1: Hey, Frank Morano, what about Al Sharpton's contention that uh, the way they're treating Eric Adams may pave the way for the next Rudy Giuliani?
0: Well, I I get what he means, but I I think Sharpton did something I've never heard anybody do before. He was simultaneously insulting to... Blacks, progressives, Rudy Giuliani, and Eric Adams. (laughs) One statement. I mean, it really was something. I mean, basically, he's saying to the Black people, even if you don't agree with what Adams is doing, even if you don't think he's doing a good job, shut up and don't say anything, because whoever comes after him could be much worse. He's saying to Adams, essentially, uh, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, and uh, the only reason we're not going to be critical of you is because the guy that comes after you could, that could be worse. Obviously, he's describing Giuliani as this worst case scenario. Uh, but uh, I think he does have a point in that. The constant drumbeat of attacks from Adams from the left, and you saw this on the front page of the New York Times on Friday, where they're blaming him for the Democrats' losses in New York, which is just insane. Uh, I think um, I think it will hurt Adams politically in the long run, unless Adams can win over some moderates. And I think there's, a, I'm sure Adams enjoys having dinner with you and spending time with you, right. but I think that's part of his charm offensive towards you, towards John Katzmatidis, the desire to win over people that listen to this radio station because it's not the folks that listen to uh, wbls and kiss fm that he has to win over it's folks that listen to this radio station well put frank
1: morano of course does an amazing job tremendous radio host other side of midnight overnight's here uh every weeknight on wabc you know my wife is always complaining that uh, presidents are too old. She's not a big Donald Trump fan, Danielle. That's Mm fine. Uh, She certainly doesn't like Joe Biden. And she always says, isn't there somebody out there? She asked the question. Isn't there somebody out there who's young, who's kind of moderate? I'm like, no, I don't think that person exists. I mean, DeSantis isn't exactly a moderate. But the truth is, with Biden turning 80 on Saturday, on election day in 2024, assuming these guys win their primaries, Joe Biden will be 81 on that election date he's already a mess. And Donald Trump will be 78. Those are two old guys right there, Frank.
0: Uh, it's true. You know, I, I get the frustration with all of America's leaders being old. I mean, you have uh Nancy Pelosi who's in her eighties. I know she's stepping aside now, but uh B- Biden is already the oldest president in history. If Trump's elected, he'll by be the way, the he's second. The, oldest he's president the first in history. ever
1: octogenarian president in history. No one's yeah. ever gotten to uh, eighty, yes.
0: Uh, No, and so, uh, but uh, I think there's 80, as to your point, you talk about the guys that you work out in the gym with, there's 80 and there's 80. I mean, you look at the energy and the acuity mentally and physically of somebody like a Bernie Sanders or a Donald Trump, and um, then you compare it to what you're seeing from Biden. I mean, Biden doesn't look like the same guy as when he was debating Paul Ryan. Remember in those debates with Paul Ryan, Paul Ryan, half his age, 10 years ago, and And Biden embarrassed him. I mean, that's a different guy than the guy that we see in office now.
1: Lee Zeldin may join me later on today. We'll see. Either way, Lee comes off an impressive loss. Hard to say those two words, but... It was. In fact, I'll add a third word, a very impressive loss in his governor race against Kathy Hochul. Now, everybody's crabbing at him. RNC chair, you've heard that. Uh, last week, uh, my friend Miranda Devine wrote a column in the Post, speaker. Everybody wants a piece of Lee Zeldin, but you, Frank Morano, you follow these things very, very closely, very, very in tune with local politics. You think there's a job on Long Island better suited for
0: Lee Zeldin. Tell the folks about that. And not only better suited for Lee and his family and his personal life, but better suited for the Republican Party. And and not, and again, I'm an independent, uh, so it's far be it for me to give the GOP advice. But I think it's it's the best thing for Lee. It's the best thing for the Republicans and the best thing for Long Island. Next year, there is an open seat for Suffolk County Executive. Uh, last year, the Republicans won the Suffolk County Legislature for the first time in a while. So if the Republicans can win win the Suffolk County executive position and Lee Zeldin killed it in Suffolk County in the gubernatorial race. They're going to have they're in a position to maybe have a Republican Suffolk County executive and a Republican legislature for the first time in decades. Now, what does that mean for Lee? It's a pay raise from what he makes in Congress. He doesn't have to go to Washington. He's close to his family and he'll have a platform to run for statewide office again. He'll actually be able to govern. He'll be able to appoint hundreds of people with direct jobs and uh, thousands of people indirectly and build a future GOP bench, he could also, by implementing some of the policies that he talked about in the gubernatorial campaign, whether it's on things like taxes or uh, crime-related issues, he can actually show that the uh, ideas that he was talking about in the gubernatorial race can work in a county that is pretty large, one of the larger ones in the state. To me, it's a job that's tailor-made for him, so what I would urge him to do is, I'm sure he wants to make some money, join a law firm, do some lobbying, do some media commentary, and then uh, run next year for this open Suffolk County executive seat. The Democrat that's running to replace Steve Ballone now, uh, he's raised over a million dollars. So this is not going to be a cakewalk for the Republicans next year. Uh, Zeldin wins this race going away if he runs for Suffolk County executive as a Republican. You know, If he takes this RNC job or seeks this RNC job, say, basically it's it's a disaster waiting to happen meaning not it's a it's a bunch of headaches not that he wouldn't do a great job but do you think that it really matters who the chairman of the RNC is oh, God, is it no. going to affect no. uh, whether the republicans win the presidency in in 2024 no it's oh, going to come down to no. who the republican nominee is i, I think it, it and the positions that he'd have to defend on cable news and so forth uh, as the RNC chairman I think it make it very difficult for him to run for uh, office in New York again. Right. Uh, meanwhile, if he could do a great job as Suffolk County executive, he, I think, would be well positioned to run for governor again, maybe run for U.S. Senate. Uh, to me, it's a no-brainer. I, I think it's a great opportunity for
1: him. Yeah, to your point, I don't think anybody credits Rance Priebus with getting right. Donald Trump to win back in 2016. I did play the Kevin McCarthy quote earlier that he, did, uh, that he said on Fox News yesterday, uh, Frank Murano where he says uh, if he is speaker, he's going to get rid of people like Eric Swalwell, great news, and Adam Shep off the intel committees. He'd remove Omar from the foreign affairs. I loved hearing all of that. That's great. But the question is, is he going to be that guy? You've got some interesting thoughts on that as well.
0: Well, I mean, the problem McCarthy has is twofold. One is he has a very slight majority, right? He doesn't have the kind of numbers that uh, that Boehner did or Paul Ryan did or even Nancy Pelosi in a previous incarnation of Congress. And he's got 31 people that voted against him to uh, lead the GOP. Now, some of those people um, – so figure they have 222 seats. So that means he can lose up to four. Some of those people say they're not going to vote for him, uh, period, in the vote for Speaker, folks like Matt Gay and uh, and others, the former head of the Freedom Caucus. So uh, the question is, can he get the votes to become speaker? Now, I, I don't know the answer to that, but... The problem is he's got all these very tenuous coalitions he's going to manage. He's got the far right uh, faction, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and folks that he has to keep, Jim Jordan, who are going to want to have 9000 investigations a day of, uh, you know, who Hunter Biden's third grade teacher was and so forth. But (laughs) he also has these Republicans that have won in districts that Biden won big folks like Mark Molinaro, uh, folks like, uh, you know, Mike. you know, Lawler you know, Lawler. Yeah. You know, th- these are these are folks that can't afford to go scorched earth if they ever hope to be reelected. So it's a very delicate balancing act for him. And it essentially can turn any member of Congress. If there's three of them, they could turn them all into Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. And you have already the uh, Republican Congressman Tom Massey saying that's what they're going to do. They have a long list of agenda items and they can withhold support on. You only need two or three of them to go the other way or, you know, vote present on legislation or for any procedural votes. And you have a very tough time. So I think he's got a very difficult balancing act. I I don't envy him at all. You're working on Friday. Well, (laughs) I'm working a double shift on Thanksgiving. So I think not only am I doing my show, but I think I'm doing the four hours of uh, the morning show, which you can imagine how pleased my wife is about that. What kind of,
1: oh, I don't know what to say. Rachel's got to be so furious.
0: How old is Carmine? Uh, He will be one on Friday. Oh,
1: his first Thanksgiving, and his father's not going to be there.
0: Huh? So it's it's very funny because uh, we, I was going to try and do the show from home on Thanksgiving yeah. and it started out me, at, at, you know, poised. To, this is how good of a negotiator I am, Sid, it is uh, be, me being poised to ask for that. And then it became, all right, well, not only can you not do the show from home, we want you to do eight hours at <laughs> the usual four <laughs> uh, but, you know, hey, you, at, least, at least I have a job to uh, be able to do that on the radio. Yeah, but they, should, uh, and, but they shouldn't
1: ask to do that. It doesn't matter. We, at least you have a job. You're a talented guy. You, you don't, see, that's, that's where we go wrong, guys like you and I. Thank God we got a job. Nonsense. You don't think somebody else? I mean, you're, you're a very, very talented guy. and uh, well, you, shouldn't thank work, you. shouldn't be working on Thanksgiving. That's a whole other story. Listen, uh, great job here today. Thank you for hopping on. Your, your uh, overnight show is fantastic. You're one of the smartest guys I know. And uh, thank you for hopping on. We'll do it again very soon. Uh,
0: uh, Sid, you're a great friend, and you are a great talent. And uh, this morning, I did have a very rare interview with Bernard Goetz, uh, and we spoke about the crime issue and a bunch of other things. If people want to check out the podcast, it's at WABCradio.com. Oh,
1: when was that? What time was that on this morning? Uh,
0: around 1.30 this morning.
1: That's awesome. He actually called in once, unprovoked, to me and Bernie years ago when we were still at uh, oh, Madison he's Square he's a big listener. Yeah. He L-
0: listens to you, you guys every morning, that's for sure. Yeah, how about that? Well,
1: thank you, Frank. Yeah. That was a great job this morning thank you
0: thank you i will talk with you soon and uh i'll see you on thanksgiving eve
1: (laughs) no you won't there he is folks frank morano other side of midnight terrific guy great talent terrific guy and as you can tell he knows his stuff